0: It just came to me. It's the angel dandruff. There's revelation in the angel dandruff. You're a sinner because you were born a sinner, not because you acted sinful. So you're not righteous because God's not up there like, oh man, they're fasting. I love it. It's it's so good. He's not pleased with you because of your behavior. He's pleased with you because of Jesus's behavior. This is about to get good. The best illustration I know of this is when uh, David fought Goliath. And so um, I want you to get this phrase in your heart, covenant representative. Covenant representative. This is the pr- There was an ancient principle. We don't really understand this in America, but one person could stand for everyone. So you remember the story, um, you know, Goliath's out there in his bronze armor with his giant headdress and... Just look larger than life. He's nine feet tall and weapons in proportion to his size. And he's going out there. And we read in 1 Samuel 17, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel Give me a man and let us fight each other. Here's Goliath. I mean, this is an intimidating figure. And he's saying, listen, there doesn't need to be all this needless bloodshed. I will represent all of Philistia. And if we win, you become our slaves. You pick your champion. So goes this champion, so goes Israel. Are you seeing it? All this, It becomes the representative. So the, all of Israel's history is now wrapped up in this representative. All of Philistia's is in this. And so um." So David comes up, and he hears this challenge, and he's thinking, remember, you know, they didn't have CNN back then, thank goodness, like the 10 Spies Network, or what I call it, <laughs> and so he sends him to find out what's going on, and so David, you know, he's checking on his brothers, brings them some food, and he hears this challenge, David had no idea it had been going on for six, six weeks, and so uh, David, I love David's answer, He's um, uh, he recognizes that, uh, if you remember, Saul's trying to sweeten the pot to get somebody to fight the challenge. And so he's like, um, hey, if you don't, uh, anyone who defeats the challenge doesn't have to pay taxes. People are like, yeah, dead men don't pay taxes. That's not that great of a benefit, right? And he says, "Um, anyone who does that doesn't have to pay taxes and gets to marry my daughter. And like, she's a babe, but she's not that good looking. No one's taking the challenge. So finally, David steps forward and says he's going to do this thing. And so um, I want you to understand this. When David steps forward to accept the challenge, he's no longer just representing David. He's representing all of Israel. Even people who hadn't been born yet will reap the benefits or the defeat of David's actions. Are you guys seeing this? So um, what happens to David happens to everybody, for they are in David. He's their representative. So Goliath just issued this challenge. David uh, runs down, scoops the five smooth stones, dances around Goliath, mocking him, and he says, "'You come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals.' And the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. How you like me now? Okay, he didn't say that last part. Here's Goliath. He's this mammoth person with this giant thing. And here's this little mosquito dancing around him, pestering him. So the armor would have covered his entire body, except there would have been one little spot where the visor comes down. It's like that small little weakness in the Death Star. Remember that? That little tube tomb- uh, where Luke Skywalker had to fire his laser cannon into that two-meter thermal exhaust port that went into the reactor system. But luckily, he'd been bullseyeing him and in his T-16 and his home planet of Tatooine. It's just like that. And so as David picks up that, uh, those five smooth stones, all of Israel can feel the weight of those five smooth stones. Why? Because they are in David. Because as so goes David, so goes Israel. And they can feel the soil. They can feel the soil under their feet. And as David gets that slingshot, they can hear the whizzing of it by their ears because whatever happens to David happens to them and he lets the stones uh, the the stone fly it hits him right between the visor knocks him out he takes the giant sword hacks off his head raises up the head of the the giant and all of Israel yells we won even though they didn't lift a finger I'm telling you what guys Jesus our champion came into this world he defeated the giant and when he rose from the dead he didn't just die for you he died as you because he's your covenant representative. Whatever happened to Jesus happens to you. So when he died, you died. That old man, that old Adam life, that old living for yourself, doing it in your own strength, hot mess life, generational curses, whatever you have, died, dead, buried. Get the, get, scrape it together, burn the body, burn the ashes. It's dead. And when he raised, you raised. And when he was enthroned, you were enthroned. And now you're seated at his right hand. This is good news. Why? Because you're in him. Hello. It's getting closer here. It's like a video game. It's like some little frogger thing or something. I don't know. You don't have to apologize. I think that's later. Our, 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 um, our ceiling just collapsed right next to the drum cage. It's like now becoming a safety issue. Like every time it rains, it's like Swiss cheese in our roof. So anyway. Lord, Jesus uh, was not just living for us, he was living as us. And so um, I've got my little uh, glasses cleaner in this case. I want you to see, um, if I lift it up, the uh, glasses cleaner on the inside goes with it. If I put it behind my back, put it around my legs, whatever happens to this case also happens to the glasses cleaner because it is inside of it. When Christ died, you died. You died. Why? Because you are in him. His history has become your history. His victories have now become your victories. His authority has now become... There's a mystical reality that happens when you're born again, that you are plunged. Jesus has plunged us into everything that he's done. Are you ready for this? Instantaneously and irreversibly. It is not based on your behavior. So what is righteousness? You guys ready for this? Righteousness means you have entered into a realm where God is no longer dealing with you based on your performance, he's dealing with you based on Jesus' performance. That means he's not up there on a case-by-case basis deciding whether or not you're worthy to be healed. His son already made a payment for it and all the promises are yes and Amen. not. Let's see how good you are today. Religion is going to try to get you to picture God with his hands tight, and your good works are prying open his hand. You have to give God a reason to bless you. Have you ever seen, heard someone pray, Oh Lord, you know their life. You see how they serve you. I'm like, Seriously, you're trying to get them healed based on their works? That means they have to be perfect. That's the old Adam plan. You've now entered into a realm where God is no longer dealing with you based on your performance. He's dealing with you based on Jesus' performance. So what's it look like when you sin? Imagine a little boy who's got this diamond about the size of his fist. It's extremely valuable. It's beautiful. But every time he takes it out and plays with it, it gets dirty. So he has to take it under this waterfall. And he washes it under this waterfall. And now it's clean again. But then he takes it out and it's dirty. And then he takes it back and gets washed and takes it back. That's the old covenant. Every time you got dirty, you had to go and make a sacrifice. I mean, it's like a slaughterhouse looking at the Old Testament sacrifices. I mean, it was like sin offerings, grain offerings. It's like, yeah, you know, every time you sin, a sin offering. I mean, that could get quite expensive depending on your lifestyle. Yeah. Slice, burn, chop, slice, burn, chop. I mean, the Levites, like, they won't stop sinning. It's like a nonstop slaughterhouse here. That's what happens. Every time it gets dirty, got to get clean again. Here's under the new covenant, though. If you imagine that little boy, he, he this treasure that he had. There was this uh, there was this rock formation. He could put the diamond in it, so it sat there, and it was under a continual waterfall of forgiveness. You are now living under a continual waterfall of forgiveness. You are staying clean. Your character is catching up to what's happened on the inside. When you stay sun conscious, you live under a waterfall of forgiveness. When you stay sin conscious, you live under a waterfall of condemnation. And religious, religion will tell you is that, that's a good thing. That The closer you get to God, the more you realize how unholy you are. What are you doing looking at you? You become like whatever you behold. And if you're beholding you and your condemnation, then that's just going to grow. Whatever you focus on determines your experience. i got some good news for you. Sin doesn't change your relationship with God. It changes your relationship with the devil well, Jim, well, what, what if I lie and I go and get hit by a car? If you're saved, there's something called eternal redemption. He paid for all your sins, past, present, and future. Hold on, Jim. You're saying that Jesus paid for my future sins? You better hope so because he only died once. <laughs> Hebrews 9 and 10, eternal redemption. Clean, cleansed, waterfall, coming down, non Nonstop. So when you sin, it doesn't change the way, it doesn't change uh, your relationship with God. It changes your relationship with the devil. How does that happen? Romans 6, it says you become a slave to whomever you obey. Why on earth, once you've been set free, would you uh, provide a landing strip for the demonic to come back and play havoc in your life? Let me read you some highlights from the Passion Translation, Romans chapter five. God now declares you flawless in his eyes. Well, Jim, I don't feel very flawless. That's because you're looking at yourself in Adam. God's not trying to improve Adam. He's trying to have you step into who you now are because of his son. And you are flawless in his eyes. These are just phrases right from Romans 5. You're guaranteed permanent access into this marvelous kindness. Permanent access. It's not dependent on your behavior. It's dependent upon Jesus' behavior, which was perfect. He has given us a perfect relationship with God. These are quotes from the Bible. I'm not like embellishing anything. Through the blood of Jesus, he now declares you are righteous in my sight. This one could ruin some people's theology. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. Will someone write that on the refrigerator magnet? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. The left-behind movies are in the fiction section for a reason. You've already been left behind, so you can change the planet. You've been freed from your many failures and brought into the perfect righteousness of God, acquitted with the words, not guilty. You've been acquitted... You share in his resurrection life. You've been rescued from sin's dominion. You are held in the grips of grace. You're reigning as kings in life. You've been made perfectly right with God and acceptable to him. This is good news. And remember, I already hinted at the final clause of the new covenant is for I will will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more, never again. Listen, if you're hearing a voice that's saying, I know what you did last summer. (laughs) That's not the voice of God. God remembers your sins no more because he remembered them in the body of his son, Jesus. Are you ready for this one? For God to remember your sins, he would have to forget what Jesus did. It's good news. For God to remember your sins, he would have to forget what Jesus did. He's saying, listen, when you come to me, please don't think I'm coming, uh, thinking about your sins. When I'm dealing with you, I will not be thinking about your sins, your failures, your shortcomings. I'm thinking about the price my son paid for you because I love you very much. Remember in the Old Testament, uh, they, did a, they uh, would do a, a sin offering. And it said, um, that there was a sin offering where uh, the, their guilt was transferred to the animal. You guys remember that? It was like their the, the sin of them. But then there was also a righteousness offering, the, uh, the burnt offering. The burnt offering was when the, uh, all the innocence and perfections of that animal were transferred back to the person. And it said it went up in smoke and it became an atonement. Of, uh, and it, was a, it, was a, it became a pleasing aroma in God's nostrils. Are you getting the picture here? Not only have, yours, have your yuckiness, your sins, been transferred to Christ, but Christ's perfections have been transferred to you and now there is a banner over your life that you are a sweet, pleasing aroma to God because he's smelling his son. He's smelling the the sacrifice of his son. And when we remember that, we begin to live out of that. Sin's no longer a problem for the believer. The problem for the believer is they forget who they were, that the righteousness of Christ. Sin's not a problem in the new covenant. Self-righteousness is the problem. As we think we have to do something to please God, Guys, if sin stopped people from receiving from God, then something went wrong during the earthly ministry of Jesus. All those people were sinners. It wasn't like, okay, we got this special club of all these people who were righteous and fasting right and reading the Bibles enough. And Somewhere along the way, we must preach the truth, telling people that if there's sin in your life, it doesn't stop God from healing you or blessing you. He's not healing you and blessing you based on your performance. He's healing you based on what Jesus did. And when we believe it, when we receive it, when we doubt, we go without. Here's some good news. God only heals people who don't deserve it. So stop trying to deserve it. That's called self-righteousness. Belief looks like I'm pushing all my chips to the center of the table, I'm betting it all on God, I'm relying on him, I'm confident in him, and when you begin to think that you have to add something to it, you're in self-righteousness, and Paul said you've cut yourself off from grace. When you think I have to give God a reason to bless me, well, the Lord's going to heal you, but first he says you have to, you know, line up with the Shemitah and the blood moon and the... And your sickness is a symbol, a prophetic symbol of the church, and sickness is going to make you more like Jesus. Sickness doesn't make you more like Jesus. He wasn't sick. Hashtag duh. (laughs) When I fall flat on my face, there's one thing I know. I'm still accepted, and God loves me. Listen, I may have to deal with my failure. I'm not downplaying that. There's uh, there's there's sowing and reaping. Uh, there's maybe consequences here on earth, but God's not up there punishing you. He's not sending judgment and calamities because you blew it, because you tied nine percent instead of ten percent or whatever the, the people add them. We start by knowing nothing's changed because I'm right with God because my righteousness isn't based on me um, acting sinful or acting righteous, it's based on Jesus. He's my representative, I'm in him, and now God's dealing with me. Delights to treat you as if you were Jesus himself. How much do you think he wants to bless Jesus? How much do you think he wants to give him wisdom and strength and when he was on earth? That's what he wants to do for you because you're in him. So Jim, are you just saying we can do whatever we want? No, that's stupid. Romans 6, well, I already said it. Uh, you provide a landing strip for the devil in your life. You become a slave to whomever you obey. Sin does not change your relationship with God. It changes your relationship with the devil. Sin changes the way you feel about God. It does not change the way God feels about you. Sin, does, sin changes the way you feel about God. It does not change the way God feels about you. Here's the thing about it, I recognize. It says it's the grace of God that teaches you to say no to sin. It's this understanding that God is good and he's righteous and he's not angry at you. Listen, um, if you showered, no one's tempted to slip on a poopy diaper. Once you've been made clean, you're not... Like the woman caught in adultery, she wasn't, you know, Jesus like, go and sin your your daughter. Where's your accuser? She was like, oh, sweet, I can go hop in bed with another guy. She experienced grace, and that's what teaches her. If you want a church full of sin, talk about sin and preach against sin all the time. Sin, sin, sin. You're making them sin conscious. You want people righteous? Make them sun conscious. Let them see what Jesus has done. What's going to happen? They're going to receive an abundance of grace, because of the gift of righteousness and they'll begin reigning in life like kings. Religion's gonna have you focused on what you, you need to do this and you need to, I just had a, um, a lady and uh, she was, it was interacting and she was um, just all this stuff and she's like, I did this and I fasted and I went without food and I rolled around on the ground. I literally said all these things, all these things she was doing and why isn't God answering my prayers? And I said, listen, I, I, man, you had some terrible things happen to you, but can I speak some truth to you? You need to get rid of some bad thinking. You just told me all of the things that you have done. There's no focus on what Jesus has done. That's why your prayers aren't being answered. That's religion. Religion has you focus on what you, thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not. That's the old covenant. What's the new covenant? I will remove your sins. I will give you a heart of, 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 I will remove your heart of, of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you. I will move you to follow my decrees. The focus of the new covenant is what God has done. I will remember your sins and lawless deed no more. The focus of the old covenant is what you must do to be right with God. And guess what? It was impossible. It was a heartless taskmaster. How we doing? Self-righteousness, I have to behave. Son-righteousness, I have to believe. Jesus did the achieving. I do the believing and receiving. When I try to do the achieving... That's deceiving. (laughs) Wiki-wiki. Hey, I'm from Detroit, all right? Well, we drove through Detroit on the way to the country club, so, I mean, it's kind of like I'm from Detroit. The trap is we believe that we're born again by trusting completely in what Jesus did on the cross. That's true. But the trap is when we believe his pleasure or his attitude towards us is proportional to the way that we live that day. Yeah, yeah, I'm saved, but God isn't pleased with me. And he's a little bit ticked off of me because I said a bad word, right? Fill in the blank. He's not dealing with you based on your behavior because your covenant representative did it perfectly and you're in him. Here's a deception. I can live holy enough to please God. No, you can't. There's only one person who ever did. And you're in him. And when you recognize that, you'll receive an abundance of grace and you live more holy on accident than you ever could on purpose in your own strength. My wife and I, uh, when, the, when the kids were smaller, we used to give them uh, money for the report card. So they get all days, they get a certain amount of, uh, of money. And so we rewarded them according to their performance. A lot of Christians are coming to God in an old covenant mindset, showing God their report card waiting to be rewarded. Under the new covenant, we're coming to God with a report card, but it's Jesus' report card. And he's treating us as if we got those grades ourselves. The law says, I will carry my end, and I will bless you if you carry your end. But if you fail, I will curse you. Everybody say Boo. Now, the old covenant was made obsolete. That's what Hebrews says. It's obsolete, and a new arrangement's been made between God and man. Here's the new arrangement um, God says, I will carry my end, and then I will come and carry your end, and I will treat you as if you carried your end yourself. That's the gospel. God's saying, I'm not going to bless you on the basis of your performance, I'm going to bless you on the basis of Jesus' performance on your behalf. That's the good news, that's the gospel. In the Old Covenant, if someone had sin in their life, they brought a lamb to the priest. And the priest inspected the lamb to make sure it was perfect and acceptable. The priest inspected the lamb, he never inspected the person. When we come to God, he's not looking at us to see if we're acceptable, he's looking at the lamb. Our part is to stay fascinated with Jesus. I love uh, Psalm 23, it's like verses four or six or something like that in the Passion Translation. You are my delicious feast. That's our part is to stay fascinated with Jesus. I think that's a pretty good definition of faith. Stay fascinated with Jesus. I'm gonna close with two stories and then uh, we'll pray. So when I, so I I was back in my Pharisee days, early 2000s, and I was, Hey man, it was just where I was. At. I'm trying so hard to please God and trying to earn healing, and so I'm really going after healing. And so my neighbor Kurt, he got this ear infection in his ear, and so he's at work, and it was, the ear infection was so bad he couldn't hear out of that ear. So this lady came and was talking in his office, and he couldn't hear. So she gets his attention, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I got this ear infection." So she's an atheist, and he was an outspoken Christian at the workplace. She says, "Oh, you got an ear infection. Why don't you pray to your God and ask Him to heal you?" He's like, "Oh man," she just threw it on the gauntlet right here in the workplace, you know. So he comes home, and he's like, Jim, I know you're going after healing, and so could you pray for my ear? I said, Kurt, you know what? I haven't really had enough prayer time today, and so here's what I am going to do. I will get up in the morning and pray, and I'm going to fast tomorrow, and I'll, and I'll spend some time in the Word. I will pray, and then at the end of the um, day, when you get home and I get home, we'll pray, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. You notice where all the focus was? On yeah. what I was going to do. And so, um, so I get up. This is honest story. It sounds, it sounds exaggerated. This is actually what happened. It's so ridiculous. I got up and ate breakfast, forgot all about fasting and Kurt. <laughs> so at lunch, I had two lunch appointments that day. I ate lunch at both appointments. <laughs> I'm not kidding. At the second appointment, I not only had lunch, but I had de- uh, dessert as well. And so I'm committing the sin of gluttony, you know, just basically. And so I drive home, and I see Kurt beaming, standing at the end of the driveway, and I pray this terrible prayer. Oh, crap. <laughs> I got out of the car. My shoulders were slumped. My head was hung. I said, Kurt, I, I'm so sorry. I forgot all about this. I didn't fast. I ate like a pig. You know, I, I, I didn't pray today. He said, That's okay. Let's just try. I said, All right, fine. Praying, nothing happened. Praying, nothing happened, just like I knew it would. And, um, And so, but now it's getting time for, like, fourth meal. You know, I'm kind of getting a little hungry, and so I'm thinking, like, how can I get out of this situation with some dignity? So I'm going to give him some stupid spiel. You know, God's ways are higher than our ways, and who knows? You know, and so, uh, you know, all this garbage that's not in the Bible. And so, um, as I'm just getting ready to give him this little spiel, I feel like I hear the Lord Lord say, am I going to heal Kurt because you're good or because I'm good? I don't know how else to describe it. It was like somebody flicked me in the nose. It was like, (laughs) what? It was like, it was like the... The deception, the cloud just lifted for a moment. And I was like, I'm trying to get Kurt healed based on my goodness. And so, and what I've done. And so I said, Kurt, can we try it one more time? And we prayed and there was this pop that we all heard and the infection ran out of his ear and he was just completely healed at that point. Yeah, yay. So let's just apply it to healing for a second. God will not withhold healing from you because you're bad. He's not gonna heal you because you're good is going to heal you because of what Jesus did on the cross. I might need to say that one again. It's good news. God will not withhold healing from you because you're bad. He's not going to heal you because you're good. He's going to heal you because of what Jesus did on the cross. For if by one for if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness recognizing that we're in that realm where we have been made one with Christ, reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. I'm gonna uh, close with this story. And so when I was younger, uh, my dad had this dresser drawer and it had this top drawer in it. And uh, I used to love looking in his drawer and it had all these treasures, you know, to like a nine year old boy it seemed like treasure. And so he had like cufflinks. And I remember uh, they used to wear tie clips so the clip wouldn't, you know, the tie wouldn't go away from your shirt. They had cufflinks and tie clips. And dad did a lot of traveling. And so uh, there was like currency from different countries and some stamps and uh, some like sewing kits. They used to give those away in hotels. I just thought these were the coolest treasures in the world. And so um, I remember one time my dad went on a business trip and I don't know what I was thinking, but my little fidgety fingers. I went into uh, that top drawer and I stole a bunch of things out of dad's drawer and I put it into my desk drawer. And so I'm just like reveling in it or whatever. And so dad gets home a couple days later, and um, he's tucking me in. And for some reason, he goes over to my desk drawer, and he opens it up, and he's like, Jim, what's, what's going on here? I'm like, Dad, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I stole from you. And he's like, oh, I understand. And he takes me by the hand, and he says, come with me. And so we're leading in there, and I'm kind of thinking I'm going to get a spanking, you know. And so he takes me in there, and what he did changed my life forever. He takes me in there, and he opens up the top drawer, and he says, Jim, everything I have belongs to you. What else do you want? And so dad taught me about grace. Grace is when you deserve a spanking, but you get the desires of your heart instead. This is the good news of the gospel, guys. Jesus got what you deserved, so you can get what he deserved. And when we stop trying to earn it, there's a little bit of faith where you have to let go of something and just surrender and say, God, I give up, you're so good. Faith is a lot like an eyeball. An eyeball looks out. And somehow if you took your eyeball and turned it back inward, um, it's no longer functioning like an eyeball. uh, Because, you know, eyeballs look out. Faith looks at Jesus. And when you begin to look at your performance, if you begin to uh, feel a little bit more confident before God because you've had an extra good week this week with God, more spiritual, you're headed for depression because now you're basing it, your confidence, on your performance. Faith looks at what Jesus has done. I'm pushing my chips to the center of the table. I'm completely relying upon what Jesus has done. That's why you're gonna answer this prayer. And so I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I believe I'm speaking to people who are going to reign in life. This is a house of good news. You guys, I think it says something about God's not mad at you when you walk in there. Man, it, you're a blessed people to be under that. And so Lord, we love you and uh, we thank you for Jesus. We feast on the lamb. <laughs> uh, I just think about it, uh, when they, when the Israelites, they were uh, feasting on the lamb on the Passover, and they walked out and there was none sick among them. <laughs> so, Lord, we just feast on you. Whoever just said, hooray, that little kid, yes, hooray. <laughs> yes. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, I pray for each person here uh, that you would, grab a hold of what Jesus has done and make it personal. Just say this after me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Remember what that means. I have now stepped into a realm where God is not dealing with me based on my performance. He's dealing with me based on Jesus' performance. I want you to think about some area of your life that you need. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a habit. And I want you to recognize that Jesus has provided the solution free. Faith looks a lot like seeing what Jesus has done and saying, thank you, I'll take that. So I just thank you that before they ever had a need, you had a solution in Jesus. I bless your people in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.